We good? Ready to roll? Ready to rock. All right. Here with Willis Brown in the farmhouse. The second pod we've done in the farmhouse. And Willis is visiting, coming up from Massachusetts for the inaugural, well, I guess it's our first Friday Night Lights of the winter of season three, which is tonight. This will be airing on Friday. Welcome, Willis. Thank you. Thanks uh, for having me. Willis, I've known for a few years now, I think. He... He, uh, let's see, we first linked up in Tuckerman Ravine mm -hmm. midwinter for midwinter powder, sneaky sleeper powder day. And I went up there with low expectations. You never know. Like, ideally, we chase these mid storm ski sessions before the wind hits it in the White Mountains. And that's rare. It's hard to get it, the perfect timing before these slabs form and the consequences go up. But yeah, we seem to hit it perfectly in this little snow globe where we were skiing down lip and it had like a half of like six inches of just the lightest powder. Mm -hmm. It was pretty crazy to get that, get that with you. So that was, that was one time we skied together. And then I remember we got a spring day in, it was this like, I don't know, we had a mediocre spring last spring, but you're up there with your crew and I was up there by myself or with one other person. And we ended up, yeah, we ended up getting some, some turns in and left gully and uh, yeah, I don't know. We skied a little bit of everything and ultimately went over to Hillman's and skied out good times up there. And then we closed down last season, June 15th, went up to Airplane Gully. And I just, you were up for whatever I was up for, which I, most people don't get on that, <laughs> don't get on that uh, level. But I had this idea of camping on the beach, which is the last standing snow field in the whites, usually in the spring, spring or summertime. It was, uh, yeah, it was the last patch of snow. And I was like, well, let's go find that patch of snow and we're going to set a tent up and we're going to camp there. Like, I don't care how far it is to get to. We, we did a little slack country. We got to ride up and ride up the auto road parked. We skied, yeah, we skied airplane. And then uh, we got, got on our way and hiked traverse all the way over to Jefferson. Mount Jefferson set up a tent and had this wild camp camping session while the Bruins were playing playoff some playoff hockey and then we caught a sunset up there and the next morning we built a little kicker or we built a kicker the night before but we hit it in the morning right after this brief sunrise and then we went this epic this is the most appropriate use of the term epic but we hiked down the six husbands trails with skis on our packs and camping tents and everything and then the five miles out of the great Gulf wilderness, which was the first and last time I'll probably ever do that. But when we were, when we woke up, we were looking over at Mount Washington and it just looked so far away. So we said, let's just go for it. Well, I said, let's go for it. And you tagged along. So there it is. That's Willis Brown. So if that's, <laughs> if that's the same thing about your character, um, you're probably one of the very few that would agree to do something, um, a very little return, you know, to go camp out on this patch of snow, but you were, you were game on. So yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a pretty amazing couple days there. I had never had such late skiing in new England and it was incredible to link up with you and drew and Tyler from granite backcountry and ski. I think we did five laps or four or five laps in on airplane that day and then made the trek over to the beach and had just a great time setting up that jump and the hike out was definitely a long walk in the morning but it was really cool to complete that whole loop and have a 
summer ski adventure. And that was June. And most people, when they ski June, they just ski to check it off and take it off. But it was, we were getting over 700 feet vertical, which is by far definitely worth it. And it just says, I mean, we had a great winter last winter, but you know, to, for anyone looking to get out late spring, that backside of the you know, Northern presidentials sort of holds like the last great runs, mm-hmm. whereas like Tucker Marine rots out and the approach gets worse and worse going up the cog side to get to airplane gully or driving up it's really quick you can get up to the top of airplane gully in an hour if you hike from the cog which and i'm that's like going fat like going with intention you don't have to right. run, be running but this is a little insight on the northern presidentials and then if you want to get over to jefferson which also has the last like low angle fun snowfield that's worth going to i mean that's also something that takes a little more effort but now that the ski gear is light you're just hiking and that airplane line was with enough energy and enough strength you could ski that eight to ten times in a day and never be bored once no but it is a long steep boot pack and it and it i don't know it does add up but. <laughs> so yeah so tell me um Give me the quick rundown. Who is Willis Brown? Oh, wow. All right. Um, Born and raised in the North Shore of Boston area, about an hour north of the city, and started skiing uh, in my mom's backpack at about eight weeks and on my own at Sugarloaf at about two and a half to three years old. So that was super fun on the moose caboose up there. And then sort of made my way through Atatash and Sunday River, eventually going to high school in the winters at Waterville Valley and doing their free ride program there, sort of focusing on slope style and big air competitions with a bunch of now lifelong friends uh, from those years down there and then from a lot of the competitions that we were doing there which included Dutour, US Open, um, a couple other slope style contests that aren't really around anymore but we would go out to Colorado a lot for those and that sort of lured me to the University of Colorado at Boulder. So went there with a bunch of friends and out there is sort of where I lost the intrigue of contests, but also found the access to backcountry and a lot of powder throughout the year, building jumps with friends. And that sort of has culminated into what is now just a, a continuing passion for touring and learning about the mountains, learning about safety in the mountains and navigation, and even coming back here for a couple of years and sort of discovering that in our own backyard where we grew up, there is this you know beauty of Mount Washington and everything that you've been doing around here and really getting the whole area dialed and knowing where to go when or at least you know having a sense of where to even though the weather is so unpredictable up there but it's been amazing to start discovering that while also spending time 
out west and sort of venturing into the freeride competitions and filming and competing and trying to make all that work together. You're doing a little bit of everything. You're living this mid mid coast. I don't know what you call it, mid <laughs> the, the Colorado to to the East Coast shuffle, where you're getting to spend some time over there, skiing some some different terrain, and then get back here. And the first thing you you'd always be pinging me like I'm in down. Let's go. Let's connect. And I love that. I love that sort of motivation and hustle. And um, it's not everyone that has that. And if you say like your background is really unique, where you come from a bit of the the free dogging big air stuff and now you're adding in the big mountain stuff and that really that's exciting to me because we don't have much we don't have many people of that pedigree here there's there's some some boys that get rowdy over in vermont we got a few here locally and now we got we got you coming up and that's like you know you look at the mountains with this fresh perspective which i find i find refreshing when when we're booting up and you're looking at the ice fall thinking you're going to send it. And all I'm thinking is that's a horror, that's a <laughs> terrible idea. That's a very firm landing right now, but I don't know. You need to have people with fresh ideas coming in and sh showcasing the terrain. And that's something I've always been passionate about is we have the world-class terrain. We just need the world-class skiers to come, come and check it out. Yeah. I think, you know, through a bit of that sort of, terrain park influence growing up and then also you know you mentioned that kind of bi-coastal lifestyle is a lot of that is motivated by <clears throat> a love for the ocean and a love for surfing and I think it's really cool to look at the mountains in a way that you know you need to be safe and you need to know what you're doing and pick lines that you think you will complete to the bottom, but also have that sort of, it's fun to have that playful idea in the back of your mind of maybe this is an air here, or this is a big surfy carve here. And sort of, I think everybody adds their own little bit of spice into the lines that they're skiing or the face that they're looking at. So that's a good transition into uh, you're going to be going out west to do some of the Freeride World Tour events this winter. Um, so tell me a little more about that and how you're preparing for it and what to expect and how, how are you going to approach those lines? Yeah, so um, there's sort of the, the main Freeride World Tour and then there's the four-star uh, level below it where there's a couple of competitions at Revelstoke, Kicking Horse, uh, Crested Butte, Taos, and a, a few other spots in California. And it's really cool. You know, it's a lot of great people who are all like-minded and motivated by the same thing that's really uh, stemming from a love for the mountains and a love for skiing these different lines. And I think when... I get into those contests having done a few before I just really want to ski it my own way and you know like have fun with everybody and I think it's such a great community of people who all just really want to get gnarly and 
shred shred the faces together and share that experience at the end of the day and hopefully i'll find some lines that people aren't skiing or ski a similar line to they are but add some different tricks or add some different style into it and just take a bit of a fun approach to it and just enjoy being there and be grateful that we have these faces to ski and hopefully have enough snow on them at the same time. So I'm, I'm pretty green to the, the free ride world tour, this, this qualifying circuit. Like, how do you prepare for these events and how do you just, you just sign up and like, think you just like go into the, I see those videos of people on these ridge lines with this start gate and they just go and the, the misconception is that these events are all beautiful powder and really like oh they close off this section they, they're going to ski it first tracks all themselves but it's not quite like that is it no it's not um i think aside from last year's first stop in japan i've never really seen a stop that has untouched pow and and also you know, there's a closed off area, or the, the zone, if you will, that men, women, skiers, and snowboarders will all be riding by the end of the day. So you might have the first run of that day, if that's how the roster and schedule is situated, but you may have the last run of that day. And it was untouched pow when you looked at it the first time, and now you have to equate for all those tracks in there and remember where you wanted to go and the as far as the registration goes I was fortunate enough to do well in a few contests last year which helps bump you up on the registration format because there's first come first serve for timing when registration opens but there's also people who are ranked and if you're above a certain level of ranking, you can register for each event and you're essentially guaranteed a spot. And then when the registration closed, anyone left, uh, it depends on when they registered after the opening of it. So it's not just a, everyone can come in and try it. You sort of have to work your way up, but it's definitely, uh, something that a lot of people are really passionate about, including myself. And there's so many good people who are there that really just want to have the best day possible and have everyone get home safely, but also try and push their own limits and get into new terrain that they might not otherwise experience and see if they can put some tricks into a line or have the best line of the day as far as the judges are concerned it sounds like there's a fair a fair amount of structure to this it's not just willy-nilly a bunch of guys getting loose there's a format to it and yeah. it's it's i guess more than it appears you gotta um scout your line you get a little training maybe in the zone or not yeah yeah and, and to your question the the other part of your question before i think the best way to train you know, I I personally do um, a lot of Hillary's preseason powder hour workouts. And once that work is done, I think you just need to 
keep skiing as much as you can and just get out there and do T to B laps at whatever your local mountain is or get out hiking and just strengthen your, your body and your legs that way. And we, we were talking about potential for an event in Tuckerman Ravine. What are the <laughs> chances that we might see that in the next 10 years? Do you think there's a chance? I think there's a chance. I think, uh, I think there's definitely an, enough of a desire for it and enough people who would get behind some higher level East Coast event because you know anyone who's been to Tuckerman Ravine knows that it's really such a stadium aspect in a way where you can stand in one spot in the bowl and see everything and it would be an amazing place to you know have some kind of enduro contest or just solely a free ride line choice contest or you know any number of of things could happen in there but i think it's a really great place to showcase the potential of northeast accessible backcountry skiing and also the talent that comes from the area or wants to come check out the area and see see how their skills line up against one of the best areas to ski in new england you'd certainly need the the snow the conditions gods to be on your favor for anything like that <laughs> to happen is hard enough to pull off the inferno and that's like you know you guys would need a, a solid week or two waiting period mm-hmm. to make it happen but in the springtime that'd be that'd be incredible to get that something like that up there whether it's official unofficial yeah. I'm, I'm not saying anything but it would be fun that would that would certainly draw some attention mm-hmm. and it would just be yeah remarkable to watch because we get up there and we see the same people up there you know year over year a couple new faces in there but in general like getting some people that this is their specialty because it is a skill skiing these lines and i think it's really that's a really important way to look at the mountains is like what does this top to bottom run look like and you don't get to do that much in avalanche terrain usually skiing you know skiing from point to point waiting for your partner but in the springtime you can see you know when you can see the whole line and you're skiing these areas that are generally safer than in midwinter you can get away you can definitely get away with stuff like that absolutely which is a kind of a great thing to point out is that it does change so much throughout the season and while there are a lot of people who you know very gratefully have the the ability to get out there in the spring it is still just accessible in the winter time for those who want to go there and everyone should really be aware and be avalanche educated and aware of the drastic changes of weather that happen on Mount Washington and in Tuckerman Ravines throughout the winter. And just hopefully, you know, they take the right amount of preparation for themselves and their friends to keep everyone safe, knowing that that is actually a, a very avalanche prone area. So this, this season, you're here, you're spending a little bit of time in the whites this weekend. When are you, when's your first event? What's your event schedule? Cause we want to check in and keep tabs on you. 
how can people follow you throughout this winter? Yeah, so the main way to follow me is just at Willis Brown on Instagram. But the first contest is January 9th in Revelstoke. The second is January 25th in Kicking Horse. And from there, I believe it goes the first weekend of February will be Crested Butte. Taos, New Mexico is the first weekend of March. And the last weekend of March is Crystal Mountain, Washington, I believe. Um, there's also a Shane McConkey Memorial event right in that area at Squaw, followed by the final at Kirkwood in the first weekend of April. See, you're gonna be you're gonna be busy. <laughs> It'll be yep. cool if you can squeeze in some squeeze in some laps up here. Oh yeah. Whenever you make it, whenever you're back in between those events, we'll be watching you. And yeah, no, looking to, looking forward to skiing some more, especially in the spring. Absolutely. Seeing you out there in the springtime after yeah. your season's over. So yeah, we'll check back in. We'll give you a phone call or something. See how these events go. It's I don't know. It's fun to have people you know from the East Coast out doing um, going for the going for these big the the big mountains. You know, for performance. It's I don't know. It's pretty unique. So, anyways, Willis, we'll uh, we'll see you around and we'll we'll keep in touch. So thanks for thanks for coming on. And I guess one one last thing, we'll have to see like one question. I gotta get one question in here before we go over our time limit. But what um what's one thing that like, you're really excited about for in terms of backcountry skiing on the East Coast? I think one thing that I'm really excited about is the fact that everyone is starting to get more into touring and with all of the new glades being built by the Granite Backcountry Alliance, I think it's going to be a huge window of opportunity for people from all around the area to be in a safe place, get experience touring, experience all the public lands and backcountry skiing that we have available around here and hopefully from there they will just you know take it upon themselves to help protect those lands help build more glades when the opportunities arise and just really get themselves involved in the community because their passion for backcountry skiing has grown through accessibility of touring excellent well willis look forward to connecting with you later this winter thank you thanks for having me yeah anytime and uh yeah good luck thanks